welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. So when I got told that you are studying the victorious life this season, I was very, very excited. I love this topic and it is such a privilege and an honour to be invited to share God's word with you today. You know, as a master neurostrategist, I am a little bit obsessed with breakthrough. Uh, I believe that everybody on the planet has is on some sort of continuum of the obsessive-compulsive scale. So, you know, we might be really minute and then there's those who are really out of control and there's the rest of us are somewhere in the middle. I'm more on the extreme scale with breakthrough and wanting breakthrough for not only my life but everyone I come across. So the victorious life really is about breakthrough and living and walking and activating that breakthrough and that's why I love this topic so much. You know, when I'm in conversations with people, I often hear the very neural programs or their beliefs that limit, hinder, hold them back and cause them to self-sabotage from living their victorious life. And a little bit like a bulldog, (laughs) I'm the one that goes after those lies of the enemy because the truth sets us free. Amen? And we were singing about some of that today. Cried in your worship, loved your worship, wherever the worship team is. Well done, guys. You know, I see how the enemy has lied and deceived many people, even God's children. And he attempts to hinder and even steal the very call on our life. We know he comes to kill, steal and destroy. And this is what puts a fire in my belly. This is what fuels the obsession with breakthrough to save the lost, to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. You know, it's not that I have it all together, but rather the fact that I was so broken, so lost and imprisoned myself and that's why I'm so passionate about the truth setting us free. Some of you may know my background, but for those of you who don't, I'll give you a brief little testimony of that and why I'm so tenacious about God's truth and freedom, is that when I was in my early 20s, I was presenting on Good Morning Australia and a few other national television programs. And most people thought, wow, she's got the world at her feet, you know, a young girl, great career ahead of her. But what they didn't know, that behind the mask of confidence that I had to put on every day to go and do this job was a broken, shattered and depressed, suicidal little girl underneath that had no self-worth, no self-esteem and was struggling with every moment of her life. And to cut a long story short, after an attempt to take my life, the next day I woke up and it was, you know, every day as usual and I had to go to work. So I put on that mask of confidence and I put on my perfect little light pink Barbie suit with matching briefcase (laughs) and off I toddled or tried to at least to go to work with that mask everything's okay and I'm okay but by the time I got to the elevator I literally collapsed on my knees and I just fell apart and I said you know what God I can't do this anymore I can't pretend anymore and I can't do it on my own I felt like such a failure and so pathetic, like I can't even take my own life, how pathetic am I? And it was just a compounding pain after pain after pain in my life. And so I cried out to God and, and I said, God, if you're real, you have to help me in this. And 
I did a couple of things after that, one of which was I decided to listen to see if God would speak to me. And so I took myself off to nature a couple of times a week just with pen and paper and I would sit there and say, God, just tell me something that I understand. And he would unfold the most amazing metaphors before my eyes. A bird would land on a branch or something and I'd go, great, what does that mean? I'm so thankful for his grace. And he would unfold these metaphors and I would just write them down. But with each one, he was revealing his truth to me and he was revealing his love to me. And what he was doing was he was showing me to me through his eyes, through the eyes of love and through the eyes of truth. And piece by piece, he was putting me back together because the truth sets us free. Amen. And uh, so long story short, eventually that uh, became a book, all those revelations that put me back together and those words from God. So that's what's actually in my book out there if anyone's interested. Um, the other thing that I did was I actually wanted to find out why I was nuts. <laughs> what was wrong with me? That's what I wanted to find out. So I started to study the brain. I thought that's a good place to start. And um, after a little while, I actually found out what was right with me. And it literally changed my perspective and changed my life. You know, the God has been number one in my life in transforming me. And he revealed, you know, through science how the brain works, etc., which was what yesterday was all about, the be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And, um, yeah, so to me, all glory goes to God. You know, it's not... We can't heal ourselves. The world can't heal us. Science can't heal us. You know, the healer is God. God is our healer. And he is where our breakthrough lies. You know, we can be as intelligent and um, as creative and whatever as this world can give us. But without God, it's, we just don't get that breakthrough. So all glory to him. Amen. Amen. So today is about what is your victorious life? Do you really know the purposes and plans that God has for you. And what I'd love you to do is just think about that for a moment. What would it look like, your ultimate victorious breakthrough, more than a conqueror life? What would that look like? What would it sound like to you? What would people say about you? What would you hear in that victorious life? What would you feel? You know, maybe you're living that victorious life right now. Or maybe you feel weary and discouraged. Maybe you feel like the victorious life seems like a faded dream. Wherever you are right now, today I want to share with you how to break through the things that attempt to hold you back from fully living your victorious life. And I'd love to start by sharing a vision that God showed me many years ago that gives me courage and motivation to break through any hindrances the enemy may throw my way. Plus, some powerful strategies that God clearly sets out for us in his word to become more than conquerors. So this vision that God gave me is a little bit like the Sliding Doors movie, if anyone remembers that, where there could be a complete radically different scenario, just hinging on one decision. So I imagine... And you can join in this imagination if you like. At the end of my life, it's all done and dusted. There I am, standing before Jesus. And Jesus says to me, welcome, Simone. It's a bit official, but you know. <laughs> welcome, Simone. You know I love you. And I want to show you something. 
And he goes like this. And behind him is a sea of faces. Like you cannot count these faces. There's so many. And he says, honey, I know you had challenges in your life. I know you had struggles. I know, I know you had lots of fears, hindrances, things that you needed to overcome. And you know, Simone, I told you time and time again in my word how much I loved you and that you are more than an overcomer. And you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. I died on the cross to give you everything you would need to live a victorious life. But honey, you didn't believe me. You chose to believe the lies of the enemy that said you weren't good enough. The lies of the enemy that told you you weren't worthy and that you couldn't do it. The lies of the enemy that kept asking over and over, who are you? Who do you think you are? And because you chose to believe those lies, these people, my children, they're not here. And this breaks my heart. Not only for the people, but for Jesus. To know how he would feel that I had let him down. So, scenario number two. Sliding door. I die and I go to heaven and Jesus says, welcome Simone. Again, quite official. <laughs> he says, you know I love you. You know I've always loved you. I've loved you even before you were born and I will love you for all eternity. And I know that you had challenges in your life, honey. I know that you were scared. I know that you had so many fears and doubts. You doubted yourself. You doubted so many things. But honey, I love that you listened to me. I love that you read my word. I love that you abided with me and you asked me questions and you spoke to me and you had tenacity and you hung on and even in the face of fear, you were just obedient. You know, courage is not the absence of fear. It's just obedience in the face of it. And he says, that was you, my love. You chose to believe my word in the face of against all odds. And because of that, I want to show you something. And he goes like this and there's a sea of faces. You can't count them. And he says, honey, the ripple effect of your life everyone you spoke to or touched and then it rippled on from everyone they spoke to and touched and everyone they spoke to and touched. These people are all here because you made that choice to believe me. You made that choice to live your victorious life. So I don't know about you, but this is the grounding motivation of my life. It all comes down to that the choice that we have. The enemy comes to kill, steal and deceive, to rob us of our inheritance, our destiny, our victorious life. But you know what? We don't have to let him. We have a choice. We can just say, no, thanks. You are under my feet. Anyway, that's the end. <laughs> it should be enough actually, shouldn't it? <laughs> you know, Psalm 139 tells us that God wrote all the days of our lives first. And then he, so he created our calling 
our assignment, our destiny, our purpose, whatever terminology you like to use. He created our purpose first and then went back and custom made us. He custom made us to perfectly fit that calling. And you know what? Every wound, bump and bruise you have ever experienced or ever will experience in life is not, it's not a surprise to God. God's like, oh, flip. We didn't see that coming. What are we going to do? You know, like, because he's actually designed all the days already. He's seen every wound, every bruise, every bump you you have ever had and ever will have. And he uses it because Romans 8.28 says all things work together for good. All things, not the good things work together for good. It's all things, every wound, every bump, every bruise of this fallen world. He masterfully uses to mould and shape us in the character we need for our assignment. He uses everything for good. You know, and often we don't see it. We don't see it in the midst of it, do we? I mean, it's just hard sometimes and it's hurtful and painful in the midst of it. But that's where we need the faith, isn't it? And we need to speak things into being that we don't yet see. That's faith, isn't it? We need to stand on his word. I mean, God is not a God. Sorry, God is not a man that he shall lie, his word says. So we're either Christians and we believe it or not. So it's just a decision. It's just a choice that it comes down to. The other thing I love that God does in our greatest trials and our greatest wounds lie our greatest gifts. You know, I had a rather interesting upbringing. You know, it wasn't too bad compared to others and other stories I've heard, but it was, it was challenging and it caused some issues in me. Yeah, I had an interesting upbringing and, and it did cause some challenges in my life. And you know how some people say, oh, I wish I was a kid again? I'm one of those people that go, oh, my gosh, no thanks. I'm not going back there. You know, I'm running the other way. But all that to say, I do not want to change my past. Do you know why? Because that challenge of my upbringing gave me the greatest gift in my life so far. Because, you know, the hardships and the trials and which, you know, caused me to be suicidal and whatever has also given me the greatest blessings and the greatest gift of compassion and love and desperately leaning on Christ. You know, it's got, and I have such a heart for breakthrough in other people because I was so bound and so imprisoned by the lies of the enemy. And I thank God for my past. I thank God for that pain because he has transformed that into such a fire in my belly to say, you know, to the enemy, the Lord rebuke you, you know. Get away from us, Satan, because he is under our feet. Amen. And so when you look at your own life and you look at your own trials and your own challenges and your own wounds and pains, if you have not yet discovered the gift in that, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to show you where it is because he will. He will because he's not a man that he should lie. Like Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for good. And you can say that to him like, God, you know that God can handle our frankness. Like, God, this is what you say. Where is it? He's okay with that. So ask him if you have not found that.
You know, your life and your past is not a mistake. No more than my past was a mistake. God knew everything. And he knows everything that is to come. The best news is he is a redemptive God. Amen. And I love what Pastor Andrew was sharing this morning for the offering message. He is a redemptive God and nothing gets wasted with him. Nothing gets left on the table. No promises are left on the table. He is a redemptive God. We have to action that though, don't we? We have to claim it. I have a little story about a pastor in a third world country who was just such a beautiful man and he had such a beautiful wife and children and family. They were so giving and loving to their community. And they, they were very poor. They lived in this rickety old house and the, the roof was kind of open and the rain would get in and it would be cold in winter and hot in summer. And they had this couch and it was all banged up and springs coming out of it. But you know what? They were happy and they, anyone who needed help, they would just help. They were just so loving. And one day, one of the men, one of the men that uh, this pastor had helped, as a thank you, bought him a um, lottery ticket. And the man wasn't, the pastor wasn't a gambler, but, you know, he didn't want to offend him. So he said thank you and he took it. And it was actually being drawn the next day. It was for $20 million. And um, as he was walking past the cafe, there was a little, there was a newspaper on the table and he thought, I'll, I'll just have a look, you know, just out of curiosity. So he goes to the lotto numbers and he gets his ticket out and he goes, oh, the first one was like exactly the same. And then the next one was the same and his eyes are getting a bit bigger, you know, a bit excited. The next one and the next one, they're all the same. His eyes are bugging out of his head in the realisation he has just won $20 million, like this ticket, and they're all the same. And so he runs home and he tells his wife, you know, my beautiful wife, we've just won $20 million. Look, this is the lottery ticket and we've won it. All the numbers are the same. And she's like, ah! And she's so excited and they get the kids, we've won $20 million. And when they're all excited and jumping on the couch with springs, he runs over to the wall and he takes off the, this old shabby picture frame of some relative he never knew anyway and he rips her out and he puts the lottery ticket in and puts it all back up and puts it on the wall and they all sit on the couch and they start to dream what they could do with $20 million. We could do this and we could help them and we could do the orphanage and they're thinking about all the things that they could do with $20 million. And then they go, we've got to tell the rest of our relatives. So they run out and they get all the rest of their relatives and they all come over and they're all, ah, $20 million! And they're all sitting on the spring coming out couch and they're dreaming about what they could do with $20 million. And then they think, well, we've got to tell our friends. So all the friends come over and they're all excited and they're all dreaming about what they could do with $20 million. And by, you know, in a few days and weeks, Every single person in that entire town had sat on that couch and stared at the lottery ticket in the photo frame on the wall and dreamed about what they could do with $20 million. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? No? What, what, should, what do they need to do? Oh, they need to claim it. Don't they? They need to take that ticket and go and claim it and activate it, don't they? So they can actually get the $20 million. Do you know what? You and I have more than $20 million in the lottery ticket that we have when Jesus died on the cross. Amen? But have we claimed it? Have we claimed it or are we sitting on that couch with the springs coming out, dreaming about what we're going to do with these 
insanely amazing promises of the Most High God? Are we leaving that lottery ticket in the frame? Are we leaving stuff on the table in that mighty banquet hall and just dreaming about it? You and I, we need to action that. We need to activate our faith. We need to claim it from the heavenlies and we need to walk in it because faith without action is what? Dead. And like I said yesterday, let's not have dead stinky things here in the church. (laughs) Amen. Let's action this. We have more than $20 million. I mean, this God of ours owns everything, everything, all the cattle on the hillside, if you're a farmer. (laughs) But seriously, like there is nothing impossible for him. Wealth, health, life, riches, whatever you need, he has. And he's given it to you already. Have you claimed it? We must receive this and we must action it. We must walk it out. You know, the call of God on your life, the assignment on your life is irrevocable. It means he can't take it away. I mean, his word is truth. Romans 11.29 says that. You know, no person, no demon, the enemy himself cannot take the call of God away from you. But there is one person who can. Do you know who that is? It's you. We are the only person that can stop us from achieving the call of God in our lives and walking in this victorious life. We are the only person who can stop us from claiming that more than $20 million lottery ticket. It's up to us. We have to action our faith. We have to believe, but we have to action it as well. We have to walk in it. To put it bluntly, and I know you're mature enough to hear this, We actually have no excuses. You and I have no excuses. When we get to heaven in that vision that I showed you, if he shows us that sea of faces, we can't go, yeah, but God, you know, I was a bit scared and I had parents who were alcoholics and, um, you know, I was pretty much emotionally abused for all of my childhood. So, you know, you can't expect me really to be able to save all these people or even impact anyone really. I mean, I was pretty broken. Do I have that excuse? I don't have that excuse. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross and gave me everything that I needed to overcome that. Because he tells me that I am more than an overcomer. And he's telling you the same thing. You are more than an overcomer today, tomorrow and forevermore. You are more than an overcomer. He's given you everything you need. Amen. We have the victory, but we don't have excuses. And on Judgment Day, we will be accountable for what we did with that life of victory that he gave us. So are we letting the enemy's fear, doubt and lies rule our thoughts, our decisions and our actions? Are we submitted to the truth of God? Who are we believing? You know, the word says, this day I place before you life and death, blessings and cursings. And he gives us the answer, choose life, like just in case. We're not sure. Life or death, you know. He gives us the answer, choose life, so that you and your descendants. I mean, this is not just about us. What we do matters. What we do affects our children. What we do affects people around us. They may not even be connected to you by blood, but people are watching you. People are watching you, and you may not even know it. People are silently watching you sometimes and your choices and your actions matter on this earth. It is a mature message, but I know you can handle it. So when I was praying about today, 
I heard this phenomenal sound in the heavenlies, like a like a thunderous atomic bomb of a sound. And I saw the shape of the earth and this sound came from afar and came rushing towards me and the words were, rise up. Rise up. He is calling his army. It's a call to arms. Rise up. The time is now. Because the wake-up call is over. And even boot camp and the training is over. And if we missed that, it is too bad because it is time to rise up. The battle is upon us and we are to rise up in skillful warfare. There are three things we need to know. I have this really lovely sword at home. It's actually, it's a real sword. It's a coat of arms sword, so it's not sharp. But I had a vision of bringing it with me and then spending quite a long time at the airport in a very small room. So this is my sword, okay, that I have brought. So you're just going to use those imaginations that you have, okay, as a beautiful sword because the sword is the word of God. Amen. So the Bible that you hold, whether it's electronic or physical, is your sword. It is the word of God. Okay, living and active. And we, when you go to war, you need a weapon, don't you? The sword is our weapon. It is the most powerful weapon you could possibly think of. It is living and active and it will not return void when you speak it over your circumstances. Amen. So we need to be armed. We need to be not only armed, we need to be skillful in that. Because I could be armed and just like dragging it around behind me and then possibly trip over it and stab myself in the foot. (laughs) Actually, I'm glad you said that because I was wondering whether a memory just popped into my mind. David did... um... (laughs) He's going to kill me watching this. Sorry, babe, I love you. Um, He did skirmish or paintball. Quite a few years ago now. (laughs) And you know when you're just resting the gun down like that? (laughs) And he goes and shoots himself in the foot. (laughs) All the other blokes are cacking themselves. And he's like, oh, right? Oh, yeah. So you'd think he learned, right? But then in the next break, he did it again. (laughs) Sorry, babe. Um, So with the sword, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be Mr. Bean with your sword, do you? Like you actually want to be skillful, skillful, masterful with the word, don't you? My grandfather, I was just saying this morning, was actually a spy in MI5. And he's dead now, so I can tell you this, because the men in black actually came to his funeral, seriously. And so we were hush-hush for quite a while. I don't really know a whole lot about it anyway because all the stuff got burnt when he died. But I do know that he was in MI5 and in the World War II. Um, anyway, I like to think that some sort of spy genes have come on me, <laughs> right? But unfortunately, my husband sometimes tells me, honey, you didn't get any of those spy genes. <laughs> like, you know, I'll come home late at night or something and he'll be in bed asleep. And I try to be really considerate so I don't turn any lights on to wake him up. And I'm like sneaking across the floor and there someone will have put cellophane there or something and then another thing that the kids left out and I've tripped over and banged my head into the bed anyway. So anyway, not overly stealthy. 
all that to say is we do need to train in the word, hallelujah, like, because God uses all things. So he must be able to use me too. But we need to train out and hone our skills in the word. We need to know the word. You know, three things we need to do is know God. Who is your God? Do you know who he is? Do you know how powerful he is, the great I am? I mean, we need to know who he is. Secondly, we need to know who we are in him. We need to know our identity, our inheritance, our authority. All these things we need to know. And when we walk in that, nothing can stand against us. How good is that? When we walk in our authority of being the head and not the tail, knowing that we've gained, Luke 10, 19, we have been given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome what? All the power of the enemy, that nothing will harm us. Hallelujah. This is our authority. This is our identity. Do you know who you are? Do you know who I am? (laughs) Do you not know who I think I am? You know, do you know who you are? Because I do and I see a mighty army. You know, it is time to rise up, rise up, pick up your sword. The battle is here. We need to stand on our authority, claim our inheritance and rise up because God needs us in such a time as this. Amen. It is here and it is now. We are overcomers. What are we? We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Yet in all these things, Romans 8, 37 and 36 says what the things are, which is tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness or the sword. Whatever comes at us, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Amen. This is who you are. This is who we are, more than conquerors. God made it very clear. He has given us the victory. Over all things, there is nothing left on the table. We have no excuses. So we need to rise up. The call goes out still. We are being called to arms and the battle is now. Pick up your sword, hone your skills, confess the truth over your circumstances, your lives, your family, friends, people around you, your nation. Speak that word that does not return void, but it will accomplish what it sets out to do. Amen. Use your sword, better one than this, but use your sword and speak out the truth because the truth shall what? Set us free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Speak it out. Use your sword. Victory is in your mouths. Victory is in your mouths. We must agree with the powerful truth of God over ourselves, our our lives, our circumstances and our nations and the people we love. You know, we have a powerful weapon for good. It is rivers of living water. But sadly, sometimes people use it for mass destruction. There is power of life and death in the tongue. Isn't there? Proverbs 18.21. And again, Deuteronomy 39.19 says, Today I place before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose what? Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. It's actually pretty simple, isn't it? 
there's an action plan for us. There is a strategy. We don't have to wander around going, oh, how do we do this? You know, I'm not too sure. Who am I? No, we need to get very clear on who our God is, who we are in Christ, our identity, our authority, our inheritance, and then we just need to use it. How do we use it? By speaking the word over our lives. Amen? Because that is our victorious life. That is how we conquer. The victory is already ours. It's already done. When Jesus died on the cross, he said what? It is finished, meaning the victory has been won. But we actually have to walk it out. We actually have to claim it. We need to go and take that ticket into the ticket office and get our money, right? We need to claim it. And how we claim that victorious life is by walking it, by actioning our faith, by speaking out the word. Hallelujah. Be aware of what your mind thinks and what your mouth speaks. Because we are accountable for every word that comes out of it. Here's another mature little message. Matthew 12, 36. Jesus said, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. These words will either acquit you, let you off, no worries, there you go. There's heaven. Or condemn you. Oh my gosh, very sobering scripture. These words will either acquit you or condemn you. We, we have to give account of our words. What are we speaking? Words are so powerful. 2 Timothy 1.7, we know, well, I, don't know, I know this scripture very well for, for fear, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. The word power in that scripture, when you look back at Genesis, is the very same root word, the dunamis, you know, where we get our word dynamite from, this explosive power. It's a very root word that when God spoke the world into being, he spoke with dunamis power. Now, 2 Timothy 1.7, he's given us a spirit of power. So we have that same power of the words that we speak. God is a creative God. He is the creator. He created the world and everything you see, every person on the planet, everything, he created with words. He is still creating through your words. What are you creating though? What are we speaking? Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? Be very aware. You know, sometimes I look at this and you can see I get a little bit excited about this topic. But sometimes I look at this and I go, God, like, I'm sorry, but are you nuts? This is like giving a machine gun to a toddler. Like, you know, gosh, this, this is mass destruction. But, you know, God, his ways are higher, isn't he? And his thoughts are, I mean, thank God they're higher than mine, honestly. But. You know, he obviously knows what he's doing and he loves us so much. But this is the power he has given us. The power of words create. What are we speaking? What are we using them for? You know, we will be accountable for every word that we speak. And in my, I think it's in my book anyway, there's a little, um, there's a story about the hot plate. And I talk about ignorance won't save you. If you're in your kitchen and you've left or someone's might not have even been you, someone's left a hot plate on and you're just casually chatting to your friend or rally and put your hand on the hot plate, what's going to happen? You're going to get burnt, are you? Now, you didn't know it was on. You were ignorant of it being on. Does ignorance save you from being burnt? No. And neither will ignorance save us from being accountable for every word we speak. We are accountable for every word we speak. Amen. What are we speaking? 
We must choose our words wisely. Because they not only affect our life, they affect the lives around you. Whether you've got children or partners or loved ones or friends or even those people that are just watching you silently that you don't even know of, your words affect those around you. So what will we choose? Because fear is, we can't say I'm afraid or, you know, I've got this dodgy background. We don't, we actually don't have an excuse. We have to choose life. We have to hone our skills. We have to use that word, that sword, with wisdom and knowledge and precision. And sometimes we don't feel like it. I mean, let's just be honest here. Sometimes we just, we're burnt out or we're sad or we're angry or, you know, whatever. Life happens. But it's not about our feelings. It's about a choice. And this is what I say a lot in my line as a neurostrategist, that your mind is master over your emotions. That is the bottom line. You may not feel like it. That's okay. You've got a mind that has a choice. And you can tell your flesh, as I have to on days when I'm down and the enemy knows my bruises and will try and press my bruises. I'm not immune to it. No one's immune to it. You know, I've told you my background is being suicidal and depression and all that. When I'm fully extended myself and I've, you know, really pushed the limits sometimes, yeah, I get tired. And that's when the enemy comes. You had a brother that goes, oh, you got a bruise there. Does that hurt? You know, I had one of those. Well, the enemy's a bit like that too. He's like, oh, you're a bit weary. Yeah, you get a bit depressed, do you? Does that hurt? And he reminds you of things of your past or he tells you again and again how you're not good enough or you can't do it or you're not worthy. You think you can do this? Look at that. Look at all your past failures, you know. He comes and he presses our bruises. And sometimes our emotions can follow that and go, yeah, you know, and feel what he's telling us. But we have a mind that can say, you know what? No, because God says, because God says I'm more than an overcomer. God has wiped my past. I am righteous and holy and sanctified and set apart. Amen. And it does not matter if you remind me of my past enemy, because I'm just going to remind you of your future. So we need to choose. Amen. We need to choose. The enemy is a liar. That's in the word too, so that must be the truth. So whatever he tells me, and I kind of like that scripture that the enemy is a liar, because when he comes and tells me he, I can't, you can't do that, I go, awesome, you're a liar, I must be able to do it. You know, we can turn that around on him. Just before Joshua led the Israelites into their promised land, he asked them to choose who, who they would serve. We have a promised land before us, don't we? Every single one of us, your assignment, your mountain, your purpose, your victorious life is your promised land. And it's like I'm asking you today, just like Joshua. In Joshua 24, 15, it says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which, have, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? Who will you serve? Will you serve the enemy? And will you, will you believe his lies and agree with him? He who comes to kill, steal and destroy, not only you, but all your children's and your children's children's inheritance? 
Is that who you're going to serve and believe and speak over? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How about you? Will you choose life today? Will you choose the God of more than enough? El Shaddai, the great I am. Today we've been called to rise up. He commands us. It's not a request. Would you like to rise up? That's not what I heard. It was rise up. It was a command, a resounding word across the globe to his church, to his body, to his army, his daughters, his sons. Rise up, he commands. We are called to this battle in the fullness of our identity, authority and inheritance in him. He has given us everything we need to be more than conquerors, to live a victorious life. We have the sword, the word, the powerful living word of God, the truth that sets us free. We must choose this day who we will serve, who we will believe. We must speak the powerful truth of his word over ourselves our lives, our loved ones, our circumstances and our nations. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen.